Hello coders, welcome to another How to Code Well podcast. This week is all about DevOps. I'm going to be talking about Terraform and Ansible and what I'm using with those. First of all, I just want to talk about why I've been away for a few weeks. So unfortunately, the family have uh, suffered a few bereavements uh, recently. And so I, I took the decision to come off of social media and basically put how to code well on a holding pattern uh, for a few weeks. So there's been no Twitch live streams. There's been no YouTube videos. There's been no podcasts. There's been no uh, Twitter or Facebook or anything like that for, for a few weeks. Basically, I, I just wanted to spend some time to reset myself and to, you know, work through a couple of things, process things in my head. Now, it's only been a fortnight, so there's still a lot of work to do with that, obviously. Um, and also, I've had to deal with a bit of work stress because um, due to this crazy COVID that everybody is going through, businesses are starting to uh, to suffer, uh, as you can expect. Mine included. I'm a small business here in the UK. And uh, unfortunately, I've been let go by some of my uh, my clients due to this, unfortunately. Uh, so I am actively looking for work. So if you are in, if you're up for a, a developer coming on your team, then please let me know because I am actively looking for a job. <laughs> so I've, I've done a lot of resetting myself recently. And I guess this is an interesting segue into the DevOps side of things as well, because the social media platforms that I've come off of, they've been up all of the time, right? So Twitter doesn't go down. It's not like a shop where it just, it just uh, opens its doors at a certain time of day and then closes down. Um, and, and maybe doesn't open up on a Sunday. It's always there. Same with the podcast, same with, with it, with everything. So these platforms are always up and, and, in, and if they come down, then that's a bad thing. That's a bad, bad thing. There's, there'll be uh, all sorts of complaints and stuff. You know, Facebook's gone down, all of this stuff. However, in the DevOps world, there are certain things that you want to keep up and, and, and pull down, especially with things to do with cost. Now, obviously, as I've mentioned with the work stuff, whatever I do now, I need to be very, um, conscious, even more so about the cost involved. So I've been building the staging platform for the new howtocowell.net site. This is a site that we've been working on on Twitch and it's a series of microservices essentially and a static front end built in Gatsby. And I would like to build a staging site, basically a, a sort of a almost production ready platform that I can, I can test and I can run through before I push it up to production. It's not on production at all yet. We haven't got that far. And uh, I've been wanting to build this staging platform in a, in a way that means that I have complete control over when it's up and when it's down. So this is a platform that won't be up all of the time. And this is something that I haven't really done before. Not, not, not on a, on a, on a grand scale such as this. Um, usually clients, because they have lots of developers working perhaps in different areas of the world, things need to be up all the, all of the time. But because I am my own client, essentially it only needs to be up and running when I need it to be up and running. There's nobody else using it. So I've been looking for tools that will help me build infrastructure on the fly, on demand. And I'm, I've decided to settle on Ansible and Terraform. 
Now, I'll, I'll explain what the difference is between the two in a minute, because they, they are really powerful and interesting tools. But first of all, I'll just caveat this by saying that I only know enough of these tools to get to me to this point. <laughs> so I, I'm, in, I'm in no way saying that I'm an expert. Let's not uh, fool anybody here. I'm not an expert in these tools. They are very powerful tools. And, uh, and I've, I've made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> Already, I, I, you know, I'm learning as I, as I go through this. So Terraform is a way of orchestrating infrastructure. It's an orchestration tool. So it allows you to spin up things like, um, in my case, AWS components, say EC2 instances, S3 buckets, provision profiles to do with, uh, you know, security groups and, and VPCs and, and all sorts of interesting bits and pieces like that. On the other hand, you've got Ansible. Now, Ansible is more of a configuration tool. So this is infrastructure as configuration. So you're configuring the, uh, the software that's installed on these boxes. So, and, and that's where I make my distinction. You'll see on the internet, there's a lot of articles where it says Terraform versus Ansible, making the assumption that you have to make a choice between the two. In fact, what I'm doing is actually using them in unison, using, using them together. And it's like a super tool. So my curse off is that Terraform deals with the hardware, deals with the security side of things, whereas Ansible deals with the software that you put on top of the, of the hardware that you've, you've orchestrated. Think of it like uh, an orchestra and you have the conductor waving his hands around or her hands around. That is orchestrating the orchestra, right? Controlling the orchestra. And then you have the series of uh, violins and the string section and all of this stuff, the, the trombone, whatever that you've got in your orchestra. That That's all handled by Ansible. Ansible is dealing with that and, and Singing, singing to the tune of Terraform, essentially. So I have found this a very interesting process over, uh, uh, over this period because it's, it's, um, again, these tools I haven't really, I've known about, I've certainly known about these tools, but I've never played with them in anger. The language of Terraform is, is really nice. It just is so readable. It's so readable to just read through configuration. It took me a, probably about a day to get my head wrapped around the different ways to, to do things. But once I, once the penny dropped, it was just easy to read. And I can now read other Terraform configurations and understand what they're doing. Ansible, on the other hand, so Ansible uses YAML. And I'm not a massive fan of YAML. I never really have been. Uh, it's, it just seems a little bit, um, there's, there's a lot that can go wrong. I find with YAML, especially with indentation, but, but I must say that Ansible as well as Terraform, it, that it's built, boiled down into a very minimalistic kind of manner, which means that it's, uh, it's very easy to get to what it is that it's trying to achieve. I find that if I'm overcomplicating the the infrastructure in the configuration, then I'm actually making problems worse. Sometimes I need to take a step back and actually just look at what it is that I'm trying to achieve and trying to make that as simple as possible. The the thing though that about the resetting part of this this uh, podcast, the thing about the resetting is is very interesting because I must admit that I have never really worked on a project before where I, I've I've had 
the ability to work on a platform with the knowledge that it might not even be there. So I would have to spin it up before I actually work on it. I've always worked on platforms that have already been, always been there. They've always been there. And so I've made some assumptions as everybody else does, sub, sub, subconscious assumptions that, uh, you know, that there are, you'll always be able to access that address. Your SSH keys will always work. Your, that IP will not change. You know, all of those kind of things, those scripts are there. Those permissions are set and you forget some of the, the intricate things that you do configuration on the fly, I call it. So for example, if, if there is a platform that you use all of the time and then for some reason, one week happen, one week comes along and you discover that there is a permissions issue with one of the folders, then you would just jump on the box SSH in and change the permissions. Off you go. You'll forget about that. That change, that configuration change of that infrastructure isn't actually saved anywhere. It's not recorded anywhere. So if the system were, were to fall down and then come back up, you would have to then SSH into the box and reconfigure it. So this is where the, the orchestration and the infrastructure as code comes in because you're actually writing code that is repeatable that does things. And it's very interesting when you're having to tear down a system and bring it back up again. It works the first time you tear it down and it doesn't work the second time. <laughs> and and I've had a couple of issues because um, with the, the, the how to code well.net, the new site that we're doing here, it's, it's using a bunch of microservices. And some of these microservices perhaps uh, are, are not up. And, and I did fall into a trap the other day where the, the, I had a memory issue that I could only replicate in a random kind of manner whilst I was spinning up this infrastructure. As I was developing this, so as I develop it live on Twitch, I always have things running. So just to give you an explanation, so we've got a, a gateway, uh, an Nginx gateway, and then underneath that gateway, we have, we have a series of Symfony APIs with their own databases behind. Um, and then, of course, we have the front end as well which then calls upon those APIs as Gatsby is doing its, uh, its, its build to build in the, the content. And some of the time when I was doing the running up the infrastructure, spinning it up, I would, one of these containers would just fall down because of the, there was a memory issue. And unfortunately, because I, because I've never dealt with that in the development mode, as I've been developing it on Twitch, because I've never been spinning things up and down uh, quite regularly. I've never really been testing the configuration. And that's one thing that you definitely do and you have to do when you are doing this, when you are tearing things down, when you are resetting, and that is testing the configuration. It forces you to do this. So for instance, I totally, totally forgot to, to deal with the resolvers, to deal with the upstreams, in the Nginx configuration, which meant that the gateway required these other Docker containers to always be up. And sometimes they weren't. So the gateway couldn't go up, <laughs> which meant that I needed to learn uh, how to properly deal with uh, reverse proxies in Nginx. Also, when I was getting uh, 502 issues, so when these containers were coming up, but I was getting uh, 502s, or, or other errors. There were, there were other 500 errors. These errors weren't actually being dealt with in the, in the usual way you would expect as JSON. They were just coming back as HTML. 
because that's the default configuration because I hadn't configured it. So all of these things were coming out of the woodwork. The tree was being shaken as I was building this and things were falling out of the tree that I just didn't anticipate, didn't expect. So it's, it's a good thing. It is a good thing to tear your site down and bring it back up again, even if it's done in, a, in an area that is, is uh, private. It's also really good for disaster recovery. So how fast do you think you can bring up a, a piece of kit? If, for instance, something went tragically wrong and your, your hosting provider just sort of dropped out of the sky, how quickly can you get your site running on another platform? And, and if it's longer than a few hours, <laughs> then there is issues. And if you have to do, and, and when you do it, if you have to jump on the box and configure things manually, then that's an issue because it's not repeatable. I have chosen to go down this route because primarily because of cost, because it's, it's only up whenever I need it to be up. There's no need to have a staging platform running when I'm asleep because nobody's going to be using it because nobody's going to be testing it because I'm asleep. And as a small business right now with the, with, with the business world as it is with this COVID, it's always good to make sure that you're, you're only bringing things up when you need to. You're only paying for things when you need to. One of the fascinating things that I have fallen into as I've been using Terraform and Ansible, as these platforms have been disappearing and appearing uh, through my control, is the fact that I've become less attached to the infrastructure a lot of times where a client gives me an SSH details and I can log into their server and have a tinker around and do a deployment or what have you. When I log into the box, I, I, I'm, I'm shown a host name and that host name has been configured, you know, to, to either be a character of one of the Lord of the Rings or what, you know, some sort of readable word that means something, right? With Terraform, with Ansible, you don't care about that because you know that as soon as you're done with the, the testing of the staging platform, you tear it down. You know, you don't care that uh, Frodo is up one minute and down the next because <laughs> Frodo is only up when you need it. <laughs> so this is the argument of uh, cattle versus pets because you, you name your pets, right? You name your pets. So we've got Murphy, the English Springer Spaniel here and Flick and Pixel, the cats, but you don't necessarily name the cattle, right? If you're a farmer and you've got thousands of sheep, you don't really, or hundreds of sheep, let's be real. Um, you don't, you don't name them. Not really. <laughs> you might if you're a micro farm, but, uh, you, you, you give them a number. So this is the, this is the, the distinction. This is the difference. So I don't care if this is called ABC, XYZ, one, two, three, whatever, some random number that, uh, Amazon give because I'm not actually attached to that because I know I'm going to destroy it. And literally the Terraform argument to bring things down is Terraform destroy. <laughs> so you become, you become less, um, you become less attached to your infrastructure. And I think that's really important. There are, there has been a lot of experiences where I've been SSHing into boxes and people have been telling me, you know, you've got to be careful in here. You know, dragons are in here. Be careful, be careful, be careful. You can do a lot of damage. And yes, I do agree there. You can do a hell of a lot of damage, um, <laughs> on the box. 
unless you're in an SSH gel cell, gel shell that has been uh, configured correctly. Um, but when you're dealing with configuration as code, when you're dealing with orchestration, when you're dealing with Ansible and Terraform, you can just, you know, it, you just, you write what you want to do in the code. So you don't go on to the box and you don't alter things. You just do Terraform apply or you run an Ansible script and off it goes. It, it reduces the fact that you need to actually be on the box. And as, as far away from being on the box as possible is the best thing, I think. So this is kind of what I want to be using. And there are some, there are some interesting things that I haven't played with yet where you can get Terraform to kick off certain actions when it listens to, uh, various, uh, git branches. So you, you merge things or push things to a particular branch and then it runs the script. So this is proper continual delivery up to the point of the infrastructure, which is, which is fascinating. In fact, behind me, behind there, um, there is a Jenkins, uh, box. It's a, it's a Mac mini running behind me and that's testing. That's running through some unit tests. So that's, that's continual integration. So when I merge things into the develop branch, that spins off and it's running unit tests and other tests. I could, if I wanted to, once those tests have passed, I could push it up to staging, which fires off the infrastructure, which creates the servers and then runs a bunch of tests against staging. Because of course, the the, the, the real trick with microservices is the fact that uh, not only do you have to test the units, test the acceptance, test UAT, test your APIs, you also need to test the integration <laughs> of everything. So, and that's what the staging's for, essentially. It's once everything has been built, does it work as it, as it should expect? So I could, if I wanted to, I could get this uh, Mac Mini, the Jenkins box behind me to kick off the Terraform scripts, the Ansible scripts to build the staging platform to then run the tests on there um, and also to deploy. So the thing is with microservices, you want to make it so that uh, you can deploy certain microservices without a big dependency on other microservices. So you can deploy them independently because they are isolated themselves. And that's something that I could do here. I could create an Ansible script or a playbook, they call it, for each specific microservice that runs a deployment against credentials that have been configured and saved through the Terraform automation. It's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And uh, this is this is proving to be quite a fun challenge. And it's something that has been a very welcome distraction. So I'm going to be talking more about Ansible and Terraform, and I'll be demonstrating this on Twitch. So I live code on Tuesday mornings at 7am, and I'm, this is uh, where I'll be doing that. But also... On Thursday evenings at 9pm, we have a code school. This is where I'm actually teaching code. And it's more of a beginner-friendly uh, session. And I've been teaching HTML and I've been teaching HTML forms. And it's it's a place where you can join and, and just learn web development from a very beginner-friendly perspective. So if you are completely new to coding, then please do join. Um, it's completely free. And uh, it'll be lovely to have you there. I also live code on Sunday afternoons, of course. That's at 14.30. Now, 
this Sunday is going to be an interesting one because we are doing the code review of the March coding challenges. So if you haven't done so already, please do consider joining the Discord server. I'll put links to all of this stuff in the show notes below. On the Discord server, there is a coding channel. (laughs) On the Discord server, there is a coding challenge channel. Try and say that enough times. And in that channel, you can submit your code for the challenges. And if you go to codingchallenges.howtocodewell.net, you'll see the current challenge. We are building a JavaScript game. And there's a lot of challenges already that I'm going to be code reviewing live on Twitch. I do this at the end of every month uh, due to recent events. The March coding challenge review is going to be reviewed this Sunday, this Sunday at uh, 14.30 GMT. And uh, it, there's been some really... F- really fun, fascinating, and and very interesting submissions already. If you want to join, then please go to that website, codingchallenges.howtocodewell.net, and read the read the rules. There's a bunch of levels and, and stuff that you work through. Each level gets progressively more difficult. And then submit your code. Do it on GitHub. Submit your GitHub profile to the Coding Challenges channel, on Discord, and then I will review it live on Twitch. The other Sundays, what we do is that we just we work through this howtocowell.net platform or or other things. It's a it's a way of just chatting with the community, uh, which is great. And before I go, I just want to mention some of the previous courses that I have created. So I've built Docker in Motion. It's a video course from Manning Publications. Link in the description below. It's a very in-depth fundamental course that teaches Docker. There's also a Python clean coding course that's from Pact Publications, again, in the description below. And there is a hands-on microservices in Python course. Again, that's from Pact Publishing. Link down there too. Thank you ever so much for watching. Happy coding, everybody. I'll see you again next time. Cheers. Bye. Bye.